Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at some verses there today. If you don't have your Bible, the, the um, scriptures will be up on the screen or you can pull it up on your phone. But we're going to be continuing our series uh, on maturity, spiritual maturity. We've been talking for the last few weeks about what does it mean to be a spiritually mature follower of Christ. And so we've been looking at different passages of scripture where God talks about this thing of being mature, of not being like babies, immature in your faith, but moving past immaturity into a mature spiritual faith. So let's just pray and um, then we're going to dive into it. Lord, I just thank you that your word is living and active and that you can see deep inside of us every place, God. You know every thought. You know every place that uh, any, no one else knows. And so I pray today, God, that your word would go forth, that it would just come into our hearts, that you would shine a light into our hearts. Show us what you want to show us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Now, we look at this chapter a lot because it is um, the portion of Scripture on the body of Christ. So we've taught about this at Homestead before. You might have read about it, about how the church works, how the body of Christ works. But as I was studying spiritual maturity, tucked into this passage that talks about how the body of Christ works is this little passage that talks about immaturity and maturity in our faith. So we're going we're gonna to highlight that today. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So today as we talk about spiritual maturity, I want to focus on this one part of it. I want to talk about consistency in your faith. I want to talk about what it means to be consistent in your walk with the Lord. When I first jotted this down a couple months ago, I wrote next to consistency, spiritual composure, right? I was thinking about the ability to keep your composure no matter what's going on. And consistency in our faith really is spiritual composure. The ability to stay steady no matter what is happening, not tossed or blown about. That's what Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. He talked about being tossed, and it was referring to a ship, a ship on a sea with waves. And I want you to just imagine being on a boat on a really windy day when you're just tossed back and forth and up and down. If you've ever been on a boat for any length of time where it is waves are coming and the wind is going. When you step off, do you still feel that, right? You would all know that feeling. What it means to be tossed about. And Paul is saying, hey, those who aren't mature in their faith, you're going to be tossed about all the time. You're going to be up and then you're going to be down and then you're going to be over and then you're going to be over here. That's how a lot of people's lives of faith look. 
They're really strong, and then they're weak. And then they really believe, and then they don't. And then they really love Jesus, and then they don't. Then they're mad at him, and then and they just are tossed about to and fro. But this is saying our faith has to grow past that tossing face. It has to grow in consistency. I was thinking about when you first watch a baby start to walk, right? They don't like all of a sudden just stand up and like, here I go, right, <laughs> across the room. It starts out a little wobbly. It starts out, they fall, and you kind of stand, and maybe they get one step, and maybe they get two steps, but then they fall again, and then they realize, wait, I was way faster when I crawled. So they go back to crawling for a little while because that felt easier to get what they wanted, and then they try again, and it's a process, and it doesn't happen overnight. And just like that we have got to learn to grow in our faith into consistency, into balance, into steadiness, into a resolve to follow Christ regardless of what's going on. Now, all of us go through this. There are certain seasons where we're really dedicated in our faith. We're in the word. We're serving at church. We're really focusing on the things of God. And then we all go through seasons maybe where we don't pick up our Bible for a month or two months, or we're like, ah, other things are important, or I just got really busy, and I never, I never listened to a message, or I never was studying the word, I didn't come to church, and all of those things, um, and maybe you just don't think about God for a while. That's the unsteadiness of spiritual immaturity that we want to get rid of as we serve God longer. Now, a lot of times, this inconsistency is based on circumstance, Right? There are times when things are hard and we cry out to God and we rely on him. This in, I've been around church for a long time. People that you haven't seen in a real long time, all of a sudden when things fall apart in their life, there they are, front row. Like, I'm back. I'm here. Because things are falling apart, right? Can we relate to that? That sometimes it takes the bad thing to wake us up and be like, okay, I got to get back into this. But then things get better. And then you don't see him again. Things get better, and it's like, oh, okay, well, now I forget. I get busy with other things. Or it can be the exact opposite, right? When things are good, you're mindful of Christ. Wow, God is blessing my family. I'm so grateful. I'm serving him. And as soon as things get hard, you get angry with God because you don't understand how, Lord, I served you. I'm trusting you. How could you let this thing happen? And they get angry with God, and they walk away. So both of those things can be true. But these inconsistencies, the ups and downs, those are a sign of spiritual immaturity. Now listen, this gives us patience with new believers, right? When you, I mean, we don't look at our little babies trying to walk and be like, what is wrong with you? Why do you keep falling down? How dare you? Could you please show a little more balance? Stop running into walls. No, we don't get frustrated with the infants who are learning to walk. So when people are new to faith and they're just figuring it out and all of a sudden they go back into the old ways of, of their life and they fall backwards again, we don't get indignant with them. We go, okay, come on. Yeah, this, this, this is normal, right? It's normal when you're learning to walk in faith. It's normal to take a step back. It's normal to fall. We get it. You're new in this. So, of course, they're going to be inconsistent in faith. Of course, they're going to have ups and downs. They're still learning about God and gaining understanding about who he is. So we're patient with them, and we walk with them, and we help them get back up when they fall down, right? But if you have been walking with the Lord for a really long time, and this is still a pattern in your life. It's time to take a hard look at your growth and ask yourself, why am I still so up and down in my faith? Why am I still so inconsistent? Why do I do good for a while and then I fall away? Are you five years into this thing and still falling down like an infant? Are you 10 years into this thing 
Are you 30 years into this thing? I know all of you. I know people who are 30 years into faith, and I look at them and say, man, when are you going to grow up and believe the truth of who God is? We have patience as we're starting this thing out, but you have to grow. You have to grow. You have to become consistent in your faith. I was listening to a message by T.D. Jakes this this week. Hits my pod. That's my morning podcast. If you need a little pick-me-up in the morning, listen to T.D. Jakes in the morning. I wish I could preach like him. He has an organ going and everything. It gets my day rolling. But he was talking about backsliding. And he was talking about that word backsliding, which we all talk about when you walk away from faith. And he said that the, the word actually means to sit down. He said it came from a word when a mule would get stubborn and it would just sit down, that the back of the mule would go like this and it would be like a slide. And so that's where the word backsliding came from. And he was talking about, yes, sometimes backsliding looks like going all the way back to your old habits, just basically getting rid of all the progress you've made and going all the way back to your old life. But more than that, for a lot of people, backsliding looks like I'm just sitting down. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to get better. I'm not going to advance. I'm not going to go backwards. But I'm just sitting down. And I thought a lot about that this week. The backsliding can look like you just stopped engaging in your faith. You stopped working on your relationship with Jesus. You're just kind of going through the motions. But we can know this today. Immaturity equals instability. And maturity equals stability. Immaturity in your faith is going to look like this. And maturity in your faith is going to look like this, right? There might be some ups and downs, but it's not going to be this. So today I want to talk about what are some ways where we can test our level of consistency. And how can we grow in the areas that we find the big jumps up and down. So we're going to talk about that today. Number one. Mature faith is not tossed around by waves of new teaching. Okay, this is really important. Paul makes this very distinct connection in Ephesians chapter 4 that we just looked at when he's talking about the maturity of the body of Christ. And here's what it says in verse 13. This will continue. He's talking about the church equipping people to be the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord. And then in verse 14, it says, Then we will no longer be immature like children, and we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Now, the ESV version doesn't say new teaching. It says, We won't be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So this is really important. The, church of, the job of the church is to equip God's people to do his work and to build the church. We do this. We keep building and we keep building. We come together. We teach. We learn. We teach your kids. We teach your youth. We sing songs together. Until we all will come to such unity in our faith and our knowledge of God. That's what makes us mature. So stability in our faith comes when we have theological maturity that we understand the truth of God's word. We know the word of God. We know it. We know what it says. We know what its instructions are. But more than that, we know that this tells us who God is. It shows us the character of God. 
We learn, and these things have to work together, right? We have to learn who God is, his character, his attributes, his instructions for us, and how to live our lives in a way that honor us. This is the truth. This is the work of the church. This is what we do here every week. When you come here, it's what we're doing in here. Downstairs, Stephanie is going through the word of God with your kids because we want them to know the truth of God's word. We're careful about everything that we do. I was thinking about this today. We were singing Waymaker. I love that. That is who you are. Why do we do that? Why do we collectively lift our voices and say those words? Because it's important. We're reminding ourselves who God is. We're saying it together. When we come together, hopefully you go home and in the car you're singing, because then when things are going hard, you're like, wait a minute, I remember. He's a miracle worker. We sang that together. Jeff and I had a songwriting class in college. We went to a Christian college and was talking about worship leading songs, and our professor said, don't ever make people sing something about God that is untrue. Check your theology, check it again, and then have somebody else check it. Because if we start singing theology that's wrong, then we're going to start believing theology that's wrong. It was the number one thing he said, if you're a worship leader writing songs, check your theology. Because it's important what we're saying, that we're understanding, we're getting the truth of God's word. We have to be careful with our theology. Now, Paul said that we work as the church to build faith and knowledge. So what are those two? This is my favorite definition of faith that I've ever heard, and it's from a very wise pastor named Jim Argue, and he said, faith is the unshakable confidence in the character of God. Faith is the unshakable confidence in the character of God. And what is knowledge? Knowledge is knowing the character of God. So those two go together. The knowledge of God means we know who he is. We understand his character. We learn about him. We learn who he is. And then our faith is, now that I know who he is, I am unshakable in my belief that he is all of those things, no matter what I face. So we have to grow in our faith and our knowledge of God. These two things have to work together. We have to clearly know who God is. And then we filter everything we face through that knowledge. Now, that might happen. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. But I know you're a miracle worker. I know you're a light in the darkness. So I might not understand all that's happening, but I know who you are. And so therefore, my faith will not be shaken because I trust in the character of the God that I know. When we know and understand who God is, then we're not tossed about by every wave of new teaching. Now, Jeff last week talked about Gnosticism. He was talking about kind of when Paul, when you see him talking about um, false teachers in the Bible, this was actually very real. There were people who were teaching this new wave of teaching during this time. And the Gnostics believe that you can love Jesus so much that you can do whatever you want with your body that you can love Jesus so much with your mind that it doesn't even matter what your actions are, what your body is doing, because you can actually separate those two. This was the wave of new teaching going around during this time, and people were believing it. Great, I can love Jesus, and then I can just do whatever I want. And Paul was saying, no, 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 don't be, don't be tossed about by this new wave of teaching. No, 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 that is not the way it is. Now, that was a pretty extreme example of wrong teaching. And Ephesians 4 is very clear, talking about those that are actually purposefully trying to deceive God's people. And we got to have our eyes opened, 
right? We got to be wise. In this day and age, you know, it used to be that you would come to church and, you know, if Jeff and I said something that wasn't spiritually right, our elders would come to, we have, we have accountability, we'd talk about it, we could, we're in relationship. You can turn on the internet, you can Google anything today, and you can watch any preacher in the world. You make sure that you are getting theologically accurate content in your life, okay? We love you. Hey, there are lots of amazing preachers out there. Go listen to T.D. Jakes. Good grief. There are tons of them out there. And there are tons of them that have some good things. And then some you go, mm, I don't know. Let me get into this. Let me figure out if that's right. But we have to be careful. So, yes, there are those. There are waves of new teaching that are wrong. But I really believe there are also kinds of ways that our doctrine gets blown off course. Other times we have just interpreted things wrong. So Lucy and I were walking around the other day. We went for a walk in the park. My daughter Lucy is 20. And we were talking about being a 20-year-old. And she said, you know what I'm so frustrated with? Why am I questioning every single thing? Like as soon as I hear anything, I'm like, is that real? Is that true? And we were talking about, I said, that's normal. That's what young adults do. You question everything. You ask, is that really real? And I said, especially if you've grown up in church. Because you hear things... And maybe you heard something that was wrong, but you, a lot of times, hear things and you interpret it through your childish knowledge, right? So, for example, I grew up in church, and a lot of times there would be teaching on, you know, God wants the very best for you. God's going to protect you. God's going God's to help you, which are all very valid things. But to a child's mind, that, that processed in a certain way. And then as I got older, and all of a sudden I was like, wow, this is hard. Wait a minute. I thought, that, I thought that because I was a Christian, it wasn't supposed to be hard. Wait a minute. I thought, that, I thought that God was supposed to never let anything bad happen to me. I had interpreted truth through my young eyes and established this little bit of false theology in my heart. Not because somebody taught me false theology, but because my interpretation was immature and I never let it grow up into the truth. And I remember a few years ago trying to preach a message on hope and telling people, because I wanted to tell everybody that everything was going to work out exactly the way they wanted to. And I remember like throwing my notes aside going, I can't preach this because it doesn't always work out. And Jeff's like, yeah? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I got something wrong in here. And it was causing me to not really understand the truth of who God is. Now, that can be different for all of you. But I'm telling you, if you're honest with yourself, those little things can pop up here and there. Wait a minute. I'm feeling doubt. I'm feeling frustrated with God. He didn't, he didn't keep up his end of the bargain. Wait a minute. This doesn't work. This is supposed to work this way. And then all of a sudden it doesn't. And you're like, wait a minute. Have, have, have I believed something wrong? Well, for the most part, a lot of times we've just picked up something along the way. That is, as I get older, the biggest thing that God continues to come to me is make sure you see me accurately. Make sure you're careful about your view of who I am. Make sure you keep that precious. Don't let the enemy whisper lies about me or take something and twist it so that you believe something that is not true. We have to grow up in our faith so that we're not blown around by doctrine and theology that is inaccurate. Part of growing into a mature Christian is working through your beliefs about God. It's okay. You can go through the time where you're like, I don't know what I think about anything. That's all right. Start over. Look at it all. Start at step one. Are you who you say you are? Do I believe that? God will meet you right there. 
and get and show you the truth. It's okay, but don't just let it hide. Get in there and make sure that you have an accurate picture of God and his character and be careful with every wave of new teaching. So mature faith is not tossed around by waves of doctrine. Their theology, their understanding of God, they know who he is and they have an unshakable confidence in his character. The second thing, mature faith is not tossed around by pressure. By pressure. Daniel 3 is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We all know this story. It's the three Hebrew children who've been taken from their homeland and brought to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar builds a huge gold statue of himself and makes a decree that when the trumpets sound that everyone needs to bow down to the statue. And anyone who refuses so will be thrown into the furnace. So the instruments sound, and these three young men refuse to bow before the golden statue. So the king flies into a rage, and he brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him and says, is this true? Did you refuse to bow down? If it is, I will give you one more chance to bow down, or you will be thrown into the furnace. And here is their response in Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you had set up. These three young men showed maturity and their ability to face pressure and not vacillate in their devotion to God. And you'll notice that the outcome had no bearing on their actions. They were going to honor God with their lives. They knew the truth of God's word, you shall not bow to any other idols. They knew that commandment. They knew God's word. And so when the pressure came, they said, wait a minute, we know we can't do this. And so they did not vacillate. They were full of faith that God was able to save them from the furnace, but also full of faith that even if he didn't, they were still going to honor him. Immature faith faces pressure and weighs the outcome. Immature faith says, well, okay, I know what that says, but how's this going to work out? How's this going to work out for me? Um, Should I find a way to halfway bow? (laughs) They were kind of like, maybe if I do that, does that kind of count? Immature faith tries to, to weigh the outcome. Immature faith says, let's pray. And if God promises, if he promises me that I'm not going to have to go into the furnace or that he's going to rescue me from the furnace, then I won't bow. But if he, if I don't get that promise, I'm going to have to kind of wait and see. No, the pressure was irrelevant because of the maturity of their faith. Mature faith is determined to honor God and doesn't let external pressures dictate their level of devotion. Immature faith is tossed by the pressure of friends. It's tossed by the pressure of society. It's tossed by the pressure of culture. It's tossed by the pressure of family and emotions and a million other things that can try and push us into not living fully devoted to God. But maturity says, even if, God, I know your word, and so I'm going to stand firm. No matter how hard the pressure gets, I'm going to stand for you. 
So mature faith is not tossed around by pressure. And lastly today, mature faith is not tossed around by circumstance. You and I really find out what we're made of in a crisis, don't we? We all really find out what's inside of us when we face hardships. We find out the strength of our relationships when they're tested and we go through hard things. We find out how healthy we are mentally when we start going through struggles. And the reality is we really find out what our faith is made of when we go through crisis, when we go through hard things, when we go through suffering. And although there are many people who run to Christ at the onset of crisis, the real truth happens as the crisis continues on, right? And we see whether or not God answers our prayers the way we want him to. There's a lot of times that right away we're like, okay, God, yes, we're facing this thing and we trust you and we're here, we're here. And as time goes on and circumstances don't seem to get better as fast as we want or the way that we want or that doesn't seem to be turning the way we want, that's really when inconsistency will start to creep in. Jeff last week said something. I wrote it down. I thought about it a lot this week. He said, if you want to see how mature you are in faith, see how you respond when God doesn't give you what you want. Ow. That's a hard one. And believe me, that's hard when it's like, but God, I wanted that job. God, I wanted that house. God, I wanted that promotion. That's hard. But when it's your kids or your health or a relationship falling apart, that's gut-wrenching. These are not easy questions. This isn't flippant. This is hard stuff. And believe me, there have been moments in my faith and in my life where I have shook my fist at heaven and said, you better fix this, God, or else. I don't know if I, don't know if I can still serve you if you don't fix this. You've got to fix this, God. I've watched my baby the doctors tell me that he's not going to live. I faced emotional depression in my children. And there were times that I said, this is too much. You have to fix this. And you have to fix it the way I need you to fix it. God. So we all have moments when we're facing suffering and hardship and we pour out our hearts to God and we beg him, take this away. And you know what gives me comfort? That even Jesus, on the night he died, he was in the Garden of Eden and he was looking at the crisis ahead of him. He knew he was going to the cross. And he falls down and he's crying and it says he's sweating drops of blood because he's so full of the anxiety of what's about to happen that he says, God, take this away. Please take it away. He has that moment where he just says, you have to fix this. You have to make it go away. I don't want to do this. And yet something changes inside of him. And then he stops and says, yet... Not my will, but your will be done. Even Jesus had to go through that flip. And we all have to go through that. In the moment when, that's the moments where we see the depth of our faith. When the answer is really hard. When the obstacle feels like it's going to break us into pieces. This is where we make a decision to raise our fist to heaven and curse God. Or we can choose, even in the darkest hour, to live a life that honors him no matter what. I want to show you a video real quick before I wrap up. This is a friend of mine. Her name is Tiffany. Tiffany passed away a year ago. And this is the story of her testimony. And I was thinking about this this morning. I woke up thinking about it. And so I found it. I found her story. Because 
she shares about this wrestle in her life. And I want you to just hear her story. Jeff and I have five children. Our oldest is 13, and the baby is three. We pastored teenagers for about 10 years, a little over 10 years, and the Lord started kind of stirring in our hearts something new, which we were not expecting or planning for. We thought we'd be youth pastors forever. Out of that was birthed a dream and desire in our heart to plant a church. We went down to Northfield and planted a church, and God did tremendously, abundantly more than we asked or imagined. Maybe a little over a year and a half ago, I get a phone call and it's my doctor. And he proceeded to tell me, he said, Tiffany, I'm, I'm so sorry to be calling you. He said, um, we found something in your pathology reports. He said, uh, we, we found cancer. And I hung up the phone and I was so stunned because here I was, um, a 34-year-old woman, mother of five, and soon to find out that I was being diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And it was obviously a bit of a jolt, but I called my husband up, of course, right away and told him what was going on. And we decided at that time, within the first hour of the diagnosis, we decided that this was gonna be used for God's glory and that no weapon formed against us was gonna prosper. We stopped and we prayed. And so 2017 was a year of battle, was a year of treatment, was a year of cancer. Um, I won't say that I didn't, hadn't felt afraid or been fearful before, but I had never experienced what people would describe as um, being really fearful or being controlled by fear. That was something that I had now intimate experience with in those first couple months after the diagnosis. And it was like a blanket. It was like a heavy blanket that would come upon and like paralyze. It would take sometimes all my energy in the course of a day simply to battle fear. And after a few months of that and doctor's appointments and each doctor's appointment kind of continued to kept, to kept piling on, they, they weren't going in the right direction. All of them were going in the wrong direction. That was not helping the fear problem. Finally, after a few months, I got a little, I had to get a little feisty with the Lord. But sometimes I think he's a little feisty, so I think he can handle it. I actually think it's part of his image. And I just told him, I said, I cannot live like this. I will not live like this. This cannot be your plan for me. This cannot be how I'm gonna live out the rest of my days, whether few or many, battling this spirit. And so I sat on the couch one night and I crossed my arms and I crossed my legs up and I said, God, I'm not moving from this spot until you teach me how to overcome this fear. And you know, it says in the scripture that to go to him, it says in James, if you need wisdom to go to ask for it. But when you, when you ask, expect that he's gonna answer. And I said, I don't care if I have to sit here for three weeks, I'm not moving because I know you have the answer and I need it. And he's so, he's so, he's such a gentleman and he's so sweet. You know, it takes like a couple minutes, but I was expecting him to answer and he did. He said, I'll tell you the answer, Tiffany. I'll tell you how to overcome, but 
it's not gonna be easy. I said, I don't care, this isn't easy. <laughs> I'm not living like this. And so he gently took me though all the way to the place of surrender. What if it's not the answer that you're desiring for? What if I took it all? What if I took you tomorrow? Would I still be God? Would I still be good? And I didn't really want to answer that question. <laughs> I, was, I didn't want to answer that question. But then I thought about my baby's faces and I thought about how good he's been and I thought about all those teenagers that we saw their lives transform and addictions broken. And I thought about this church that we started seven years ago and the families and the people that have come and, and the bondage that has been broken and the marriages that have been restored and just the goodness of God that has followed me all the days of my life. And I was like, well, of course you're God. No matter what you do with me, of course you're God. Of course you're good. And it's soon as I surrendered it all to him, the fear was gone. I didn't have to battle fear anymore because fear no longer had anything to hold over me. We are not called to be um, weak in the face of our enemy. To that, you gotta dig for grit and tenaciousness. And in that place is where the hope rises. We just celebrated my second doctor's appointment where all my numbers, all my blood work and all the numbers and everything that they look at. My doctor's words, she comes in and she says, Tiffany, everything looks perfect. Two times she said that. But even if they don't, God's got it. And I'm not afraid. really crazy thing about Tiffany is I've known, I knew her since she was a baby and um, babysat her when she was younger. And then as um, she was in the youth group in the first church that Jeff and I were pastors at, and I gave her voice lessons for years, which turned into sitting therapy sessions. <laughs> and Tiffany didn't always have strong faith. When she was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, there were times she walked away from the Lord. She wondered. She didn't know what she believed in. She went back and forth and back and forth. And so when I see, oh, look at that faith. That's what happens when we just determine to give our lives to Christ. We grow into strong people that can endure something you could never imagine enduring. Because we've allowed God to teach us she allowed God to grow her up. And over the last 25 years, she had made a huge difference in the lives of teenagers all over, and they planted a church in Northfield. And this is what happens when we allow God to do the hard work, when we don't just ignore the hard questions, but we really just sit and wrestle with it. we got to get this thing settled in us. Is he good? 
Is he God? If we can settle that question, we're going to be okay. One of my favorite scriptures, and I'm going to close with this, is found in Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. And it's an even if passage of scripture. And the context is God has told this prophet Habakkuk that the people are about to go into exile. They're about to go into something really, really, really hard. And he's just laid out the whole thing. They're going to go and they're going to be taken away from their homeland and they're going to endure hardship and they're going to go through all this stuff. And so this big weight has just been dropped on the prophet. And then God comes back and says, but here's what I'm going to do at the end of that. I'm going to restore the people. At the end of this, their hearts are going to be knit right in with mine. They're going to love me. They're going to serve me. And this is how that book of the Bible wraps up. And this is how the prophet responds once he hears the whole big picture. And he says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread on the heights. It's one of my favorite passages because it's saying, even if it's all falling apart, even if there's no fruit on the vines, even if it's all the worst, even if everything is going horrible, I will still rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, because he makes me as sure-footed as a deer. And in research, the deer are able to be on really rocky terrain and not fall. The way that their feet are, the ways their hooves are, they're able to stand on really steep places and still have sure footing. And that's what he's saying. Hey, I didn't get just get good news. <laughs> I just got the really hard news. And yet right now, my feet are as steady as a deer, able to tread on the heights because of the God of my salvation, because I know he's good, I know he's in control, that no matter what I go through, I can lean into him and trust him. So consistency in our faith, it's a sign of maturity. It's a sign that we're growing. So we have to settle this thing in our hearts. We gotta settle this thing. We can't be up and down and up and down and up and down. We can't let the circumstances of our lives, if it's going good, then we love God. If it's bad, we just walk away. We can't do this. We can't let our faith be shaky, tossed wind about. We can't let the enemy just play havoc with our theology and let us believe any whim that comes along. No, we need the truth of God's word. Faith is the unshakable confidence in the goodness of God. We have to believe this. That's how we withstand the pressure. That's how we say, it doesn't matter to me what the outcome is. You can throw me in the furnace, and if God saves me, that's amazing. And if he doesn't, that's okay too, because I know his word, and I know his character, and I trust if that's what he chooses, I trust him. And that's where we have to get ready, and that's where we have to land. Let's just close in a time of prayer. I want to give you a second to just kind of sit with this for a minute. Lord, we just, Father, we recognize that life is not easy, Lord. There are ups and downs. There are things that are breaking our hearts. There are things that 
we don't understand. And Lord, we, we want to be steady and consistent in our faith. We don't want to be shaken. We don't want to be shaken in the small, trivial stuff, Lord. We don't want to be people who are dedicated to you one day when it feels convenient or when it's there. And yet, we're not really growing. We've sat down. We've sat down. We've just, we've stopped growing. We've stopped engaging. We've stopped looking at you. We've just, we've just sat down. And so, Lord, help us to stand back up and recognize that this is too important to just go through the motions. Lord, we know there is pressure now from every side. And Lord, we know that the pressure will continue to get harder. Lord, I think if you've taught me anything in this last year and this season we've been in is you are looking for a church that is engaged and ready and mature. And Father, that doesn't happen when we sit down. So Lord, we are asking you to show us how to grow. Teach us, Lord. Show us. Shine the light in our hearts to the places that Maybe we've allowed a misconception of you to cause us to be angry with you and step back. Maybe it's just we haven't engaged in reading your word and seeing what it says. Maybe we've just become so consumed with this world and this life and this circumstance that we have fixed our eyes on all of the superficial things and we have missed the mark that God, we are about your kingdom and your world and your purposes. So Lord, I just pray that today you would help us to settle whatever is going on in our hearts today. Lord, maybe there are those today that can relate to this video, that they are just, they're in the fire. They're in the fire. And they need you to help them sort through all the things. And Lord, I know for me, sometimes the f my own fire isn't near as hard as watching somebody I love in the fire. And so, Lord, I pray you help settle that in the hearts of parents and sons and daughters and friends, grandparents, Lord, who are wrestling, asking you to do something. Lord, we believe that you are good, and we believe that you are God. So help us to sort through all that comes with that. We want to see you clearly. We want our lives fully devoted to you no matter what. We love you. We want to be more like you. And we thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.